I'm about to share a passage with you that I am very fond of, um, that I think unfortunately only gets used almost exclusively at one time, and that's at funerals. Uh, it's a uh, one that I believe I can say unequivocally, uh, though of course my memory is not what it once was, that in every funeral I have ever done, these words from John chapter 14 have been part of what I have said to families who are perhaps feeling the least peaceful they have uh, ever felt. Um, I think back a couple of years ago um, uh, to a very personal funeral that I went to and actually spoke at. Perhaps my very best friend, Michael, had died. Um, uh, he's about three years younger than I am. Uh, and uh, he was a United Methodist minister as well. Many of you know him, some of you don't. Uh, and I remember the words, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, not as the world gives, give I unto you. Now, those words felt just a tad bit empty on that day. I wish they could have meant more to me. And perhaps if we hear the words at times other than times of funerals, we'll learn to hear them for what, uh, for what Jesus wanted to offer us in those words. So in John chapter 14, these words uh, come to us, beginning in verse 25. I have said these things to you while I am still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not let them be afraid. I'm so thankful that the Holy Spirit can teach me and has taught me a peace that came not on the day of that service, but has come in the intervening period of time since that time. Uh, we all look for something that we elusively call peace. Um, Isaiah this morning and I've been meditating on Isaiah all week long. Isaiah chapter 2 speaks of a kind of peace where we lay our weapons down, where uh, we take up instead, we, turn, we don't just lay our weapons down, we turn our weapons into uh, farm implements. We turn uh, tools of destruction into tools of growth and planting, tools of death into tools of life. And it seems to me as I think about this idea of wanting more peace in this season that maybe there's a hint in Isaiah chapter 2 about what God imagines for us. And I'm, ultimately God really does imagine literally that we will beat our swords into plowshares and our spears into pruning hooks. God imagines that, dreams that for us. And the unfortunate thing is, I suspect that he expects us to get to that place 
he expects us to be the hands and feet that do that thing. Um, we'd like to God to come snap the finger and make it happen. Uh, but God wants us to grow to a place where we learn to see one another as sisters and brothers in this world. There are moments we feel like we're getting closer and there are moments that we don't. But I also see in this story something that's a hint for our personal lives that we can put into practice this week. I want you to think of your own life, of the tools of destruction you carry with you wherever you go. Tools of sarcasm in response to someone's innocent remark. Tools of hate. Uh, tools of anger. The words that flow off your tongue in a moment, a heated moment. The things that you say to one another that cut deeper than ever a sword could cut. I want you to imagine those weapons that you carry with you and imagine what it would look like if you beat those weapons into plowshares this season. Instead of cursing the person who cut you off in traffic, let it go. Instead of the person that rushes ahead of you on uh, Black Friday, and by the way, that's over, so it's, uh, I don't have to worry about that anymore. Um, I, I think it's a wonderful juxtaposition. We go from a day of deep gratitude where we're thankful for everything we have to rushing around and killing one another or knocking and trampling one another to get stuff because we apparently didn't have enough stuff to be thankful for yesterday. We have to run and get some more today. Uh, but th that juxtaposition is not lost on me. But the truth is, this season can be a season of peace for you. Because you can choose it. You choose to react angrily. You choose to say the ugly words. You choose to let them flow off your tongue. What would it look like if you entrusted yourself to God's care and you listened to the words, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives. It's a different kind of peace. Don't be afraid. Think about it. Think about the hint that's in John chapter 14. What makes us react in anger? What makes us say hateful things? Fear. Do not let your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Out of fear, we do all sorts of things. Fear makes me react in a defensive way. Fear that you're going to take away something that I think I need. Fear that my control is being lost or my power is being lost or that affection, esteem is being lost to me. That my sense of security and personal well-being is being stolen from me. And so to protect it, I will use whatever means necessary to guard this. And it wasn't an accident that I pointed to this heart because I feel like it's my job to guard it, to protect it. And I'll do whatever it takes. I'll say whatever words are necessary to shut you down. That's not peace, brothers and sisters. That is not peace. Winning at all costs is not winning at all. I've told you before, it's like trying to win a dance. And I'm not talking about a competition. I'm talking about when you're dancing with a partner. Do you ever dance with a partner? Have you ever taken ballroom dance? I used to teach ballroom dance years and years and years ago when I was in college. A little extra money on the side. 
And uh, dancing with a partner is not about I'm going to win with the coolest looking moves because I'm going to look really great by myself. Partners dancing is a team sport. <laughs> so if I look really good and I trip my partner and she falls on the floor, then I don't look very good and she doesn't look very good. We look bad together. It's not a competition. It's an opportunity to, to listen to the moment, to be in that moment. Think about it for a moment. You all have and I have moments when life jumps out at us. And the simplest word brings up some story that's embedded deep within us, some memory from childhood where we feel threatened. And we react as that three-year-old or that seven-year-old did out of all the pain and anger and hurt because that pattern worked when we were three or seven or ten years old. It doesn't look so good on adults. Let me just give you a heads up. It doesn't look so good on adults when we act like toddlers. It doesn't look so good. So we have some choices about when we feel stuff rising in us. When we feel that we're about to react because somebody is pushing that button. And again, that's a moment to sit back and breathe. That's a moment to realize what's rising in you. That's a moment to let it go and trust that the peace that passes all understanding will keep your heart and mind in Christ Jesus and not in that angry response. Part of growing up, part of following the path of Jesus is learning to find that peace and to realize it's not out there somewhere. You're not on a journey to discover peace on the other side of the universe. You know, I, I've recently been doing some work and study of cosmology, uh, which is just how does the universe come into being? I'm, I'm, you know, it's very exciting to see all the places where the understanding of the Big Bang and, and the unfolding of the universe fits right in with my understanding of the unfolding of what God's doing in the universe over 14.6 billion years. How exciting that is to me. But I look at cosmology and, and the medieval cosmology, which many of us still live under, is like it goes to the edge of the planets. The universe goes really to the edge of the planets. And then there's a bunch of little twinkling lights that hang there. And if you get past the edge of the planets, that's heaven. Medieval cosmology says that's where heaven is. Right outside the planets where all the little twinkling lights are hanging. <laughs> heaven, right there. That's where God sits back from. So God's not really that far away. Just past the ninth. Well, I guess we're only down to, we're down to eight planets now. I mean, we lost Pluto. That was a real crushing blow to me. But uh, there might be another one out there beyond that. Number 10. Oh, number nine. Uh, whatever. <laughs> but it doesn't matter because right outside of that, right outside that little magical line, that's where heaven is. And you only have to journey just past the nine planets. That's way medieval because that's all they had. That's all the science they had. And any other science threatened their understanding of who God was and how far God was away. 
But what if it doesn't threaten? Because God isn't out there somewhere. God's in here. And if you're looking for peace, all you have to do is take that calm moment to realize that that peace comes from in your heart. Because your heart doesn't just beat blood. Recent science has shown actually that your heart is a center of calm for you or craziness. When your heart is beating coherently with your whole body, you make wiser decisions. But let it start beating really, really fast. Get really excited and it overrides and pushes your amygdala, amygdala to the limit and you just do something crazy. And that's science. That's the way your body works. The heart is the seat of your emotion, your identity. That's what the Bible understood it to be. So if you're looking for peace, look for what the Bible understands peace to be. Peace, we made into a word, the absence of war, the absence of violence. Peace is the word in the Bible, shalom. Shalom. It means wholeness. It means completeness. It means groundedness. And if you can find a ground within yourself, if you can do that thing I told you to do at the beginning and do it a couple of times a day, when your day feels a little crazy, a little over the edge, take a break, go to your peaceful place, close your eyes if you can. If you're driving, don't close your eyes. And breathe in the salt air of the sea as you hear the waves roll. Or maybe for you, your peaceful place is that chair at home where you sit and do your morning devotions. Maybe your peaceful place is on a mountaintop and you feel the cool breeze blowing into your face. Maybe it's sitting on the front porch and watching the rain fall and hearing the thunder in the distance. Maybe that's your place of peace. But if you breathe peace into that center of yourself, it has an electromagnetic effect on your whole body. Each one of you has an electromagnetic field created by your heart that goes out six feet. Now imagine that carries all sorts of interesting impulses. And when you're near other people, you can bring peace or dissonance. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives. The groundedness of your heart is something you develop over a lifetime. It's not something you snap your fingers and it's there. It happens through paying attention, listening to what you're your insides are saying to you. When you feel yourself getting anxious, when you feel yourself having your buttons pushed, let go. Learn to recognize the triggers in your life. Walk away before you say something. Breathe deeply before you say something. And if one breath isn't enough, breathe again. <laughs> Just keep breathing. Appear to be, you know, having, uh, you know, uh, you know, just breathe. 
because I find that when I breathe deeply into my chest and I start to breathe more slowly and more deeply, I find that ground that God created within me. That ground, that unique ground, that's just me and God together. Only there's not just me and God together. There's me and God connected to all of you and to the infinite universe of which I'm a unique part. And my peace is knowing I only have to play my part. I don't have to play yours. So this week, I want you to pick one weapon in your arsenal and turn it on its head. Beat it into a plowshare. That just seems wrong, though, doesn't it? Beating it, you know, you go get a big, you know, it's, oh, get this weapon. Bam, bam. This seems like you're, you know, more violent. But imagine beating hate into love. Or sarcasm into poetry. You know, random kindness, whatever it may be. Let whatever weapons you use to win your battles in life become something else. Something else altogether. Because you will find the peace that passes all understanding that God wants to give you.